0: When I lived in New York City, I worked for a big ministry there. And people would come in from all over the world and they would visit this ministry. It was an international organization that had branches all over the place. And when people would come in to visit... I was like the unofficial uh, tour guide for New York, and so they would have a list of things that they want to see when we go to New York, and so they'd come in, and I would take them all around. Some people would want to see the Empire State Building, so I would take them to the Empire State Building. Some people want to see Times Square. Lots of people want to go to Central Park, and they would want to ride a horse. Some people would want to go see the bull and all these things, but one thing that was always on everyone's list when they would come to visit, you know, I would take them to, is to see the Statue of Liberty. How many of you have ever gone and visited the Statue of Liberty? It's a beautiful place. And there's actually a part of Manhattan at the very end called Battery Park that I would take people to. And at night, you have this beautiful, clear view of the Statue of Liberty. And Battery Park at night is a crazy place to be because in the daytime, People run Battery Park at nighttime. The rats run Battery Park. And so I would bring people in who'd never seen New York City rats before. And they would be like, is this a German shepherd? And I'd be like, no, that's Roscoe. He's a rat, you know. <laughs> and these guys would stand up on two legs. They'd smoke cigars in the corner. You had to pay him to park at the park. I mean, the rats were in control of the whole thing. It was a big deal. Now, you get down there to the end, and it was this moment that's like everything is nice. It's on the water. It's nice, and it's Quiet in the city, and you look out across the water and you see Lady Liberty all lit up, so beautiful. Everyone wanted to see the Statue of Liberty. And if you actually go and you stand at the statue, there is an inscription there. And it says, This give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. It's a beautiful thing and a beautiful, beautiful statue and a beautiful monument and a beautiful place. And it's all very symbolic of really what this nation was founded on, this idea of freedom, And that people would come from far and wide. And Lady Liberty would stand welcoming them to a place that was free. And when you go back and you read about the founding of our nation, you see that this idea of freedom kind of permeated the whole thing. Like they needed a place and wanted a place and wanted to live in a place where they were truly free. And I'll tell you this. A lot of people think that freedom is something that our country has. Freedom is something that is uh, synonymous with a nation. Freedom isn't something that belongs to any country or any nation. True freedom, listen to me, belongs to God's people. Jesus came so that we could experience real freedom. When you read Galatians, read Galatians chapter 5, it starts in verse 1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The Bible says that Jesus came to set us free. And if we are set free, then that means that we're set free from something. Like Jesus came to set us free from something. And Paul is saying here, don't go back into being burdened by slavery. Don't go back into being held captive. Don't go back into being oppressed. But live in the freedom that Christ gives. So if he has set us free, what has he set us free from? Several things. Well, what we're going to talk about today is that Christ has come to set us free from strongholds. Everyone says strongholds. Strongholds are something, they're things that hold us hostage, things that keep us from being everything that God has created us to be. Anything in your life that is a hurt, that is a habit, that is a hang up for you, those things can be strongholds. And listen, almost every person in here has something in their life that they wish that they were free from. Like People desperately need and want freedom from different things that happen in their life. Why is it that we want freedom? It's because we're not perfect people. We get saved. And then after we get saved, God begins to work in our heart, And then we're in a process of being saved. So you get saved, God saves you, and then he's working in you. And this is a process called sanctification. And it's how you're being saved, how he's changing you, how he's transforming your life. I have a friend, when he got saved, he was like, Brandon, I cuss probably a 1,000 times a week. And I say, well, well, praise God, I'm going to pray for you. And then just a few weeks ago, Pastor Brandon, I've got it down. I only cuss about six times a week, and that's only during Razorback games. And I say, okay, the Lord is working in you. He's got progress. You are saved, and then you are being saved. It's a process. So as long as you're not someone that's living in rebellion to God, And rebellion to God means I have no intention of changing. I don't care what God says. I don't care what his word says. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to live my own way. That's living in rebellion. If you are a believer, you're not living in rebellion to God, then you are living as someone who desperately wants and needs to be free in their life. Listen, you can be saved and not be free. Like God can save you, but you can still be bound up on some things in your life. And these strongholds that we have, a stronghold is anything in your life that has a stronger hold on you than you have on it. If you are a guy in here, your handshake is a big deal. Like, you've got to get handshakes sorted out kind of early in life. When I was young, a teenager, I was a musician, you know, I got softer hands, you know, I think these hands are my money, you know, I got to protect them, they're not hard and scabbed and all over, I got soft hands. And an old timer shook my hand and he said, hey, you got a man up. That ain't a good handshake. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you got to do better than that. Your hands feel like Play-Doh. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want that. I don't know what it means, but it ain't good. Okay, and so I got to work on my handshake. And so you got some people, they have a soft handshake. You have some people that have a normal handshake. And then you got some men like my dad who worked in the oil field. He worked on oil rigs. He was a man's man. His hands were like slabs of granite. And you would shake hands with him and you would say, I don't know what I am, but I know he's a man. Like, this is crazy. This guy's got a firm grip on him. What is it? He has a stronger hold on me than I have on him. And anything in your life that has a stronger hold on you than you have on it is a strong hold. And there are lots of areas of people's lives where they develop these strongholds, where things grab onto them. And so I'll give you a few of them. The first one is a relational stronghold. This is a type of like codependency where I'm stuck in this relationship, but the relationship is not bringing out the best in me. This relationship is bringing out the worst in me and it may be ungodly and it may be a relationship that I wish that I were free from, but I'm kind of stuck in. This is a relational stronghold. So this may be between you and a friend you with someone that you're dating that you know this isn't the person that I should be dating and I got to get out of this relationship. This may be with a boss. Even I've seen this a lot in family relationships where one person has this like relational authority over the other and they flex it in the worst way. And instead of like bringing out all the things that are good and great about how God created and designed you, when you're in this relationship it brings out the worst parts of you. And it's like this toxic thing that happens. And you can have this relational stronghold in your life. The second type of stronghold that we see is an economic stronghold. This is when people consistently say, I never have enough to make ends meet. And I understand that people go through hard times uh, with their finances. Jess and I have been there and done that a hundred times over and are growing up together and having kids and a family. But this is something that's beyond just going through a hard time. This is like a a cycle that you're stuck in. And a lot of times you know what this is? This is like I have some spending problems that maybe I'm not addressing and every time I look up I don't have enough money to make bills or to pay the bills. And a lot of times I'll tell you the truth is like we need to look ourselves in the mirror and say like, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me, right? Like this a lot of times comes from within us. A lot of times it's a career issue. It could be a laziness issue. Like I just don't want to work. I'm just lazy and I'm going to lay around and I don't have the money to pay the bills. This isn't true for everybody though. Some people Like it's just really, they've gone through tough times. I know people that had businesses and during the pandemic, their businesses tanked and they weren't able to ever really recover in the way that they had hoped. When you have an economic stronghold in your life, it's that every time I get down, it's always around money. I got problems in this area consistently over and over. Other people have physical strongholds in their life where they have circumstances in their body. Maybe it's sickness, maybe it's disease or chronic pain, some type of limitation that becomes really frustrating to you. And some people, it's like, because of this in my physical body, I'll never be able to do that again. And sometimes this is unavoidable, like things happen in our bodies and our bodies can break. But the difference between just having a physical problem and having a physical stronghold is when those physical things, those limitations that you have physically begin to affect you emotionally and spiritually. And you notice over time, like, I've lost all the joy from my life. This happens with chronic pain a lot. I've lost my ability to even be excited about the future. And it, it begins to mess with your personality. I see people where it messes with their faith in the Lord or them believing in God's word, that they believe that all of these physical things will crush their soul and their spirit to a point that they'll never recover. And you could have like a literal physical stronghold in your life. The last thing I see is an addiction type of stronghold. And so many people become addicted to all types of things you hear addiction and immediately you think oh drug use and that is true people get addicted to drugs especially prescription pills and painkillers like that is a pandemic in itself in our country and our nation but addiction is certainly not limited to drugs or prescription pills people become addicted to all sorts of things you can be addicted to good things like food You can find such comfort in food like I have such a difficult day that instead of dealing with this spiritually, instead of being refilled by God, I'm going to run to the least healthy option in my pantry and I'm going to pull it out and I'm going to eat it. And I don't care what anybody thinks. And this is something like that got to me. Like, if I can have a bag of candy corn and I've had a hard day, get out of my way. There ain't going to be no bag at the end of the day. I'm going to eat the whole bag of candy corn because it makes me feel, like, comforted. And people can become addicted to all sorts of things like that in your life. And I want to tell you, like, that stuff is real. Like, a food addiction is a real type of thing. People can be addicted to sex of course they can be addicted to drugs be lots of people addicted to alcohol I'll tell you one of the biggest addictions in the world probably is people addicted to pornography it's an escape for the mind and it just people get addicted to these things but even things like status and success Those things can become addictions in your life, that those are the things that drive you. It's not a gospel purpose in your life, it's that I've got to have more of this and I've got to look like this and everybody needs to think of me like this and i become addicted to those things. Let me tell you this. If you hear yourself in any of that stuff that I just went through, and there are plenty of other things, I want you to know something. You are not alone. The odds are that people that you know are facing some similar things in their life because you can be saved and not be free. And there are a lot of people that are saved, that come to church, that sit in the services, but they're bound up with one thing or another. You are not alone, let me tell you, you don't have to stay where you are. Because of Jesus, because of the Lord's work in your life, he has given us the ability to break free from every stronghold, every bondage, everything that would seek to hold you and to keep you, everything that binds you up. The Lord has given us freedom from that there's freedom for you in christ from every hurt every habit and every hang-up that you have so i'm going to talk about that for the next few moments but before i get into it sometimes when you hear that we are free and that we have freedom in christ you think what does that mean i'm free to do what i'm free to do what exactly Does freedom in Christ mean that I'm free to do anything that I so choose? Like anything that comes into my mind, I can do it because I'm free in Christ. The answer is absolutely not. The New Testament deals with this quite a bit. Can we just continue to sin because God will forgive us? And he says, certainly not. No, there are always going to be some no's in your life. Freedom doesn't mean freedom from all limitations, okay? Okay. It means freedom from all illegitimate limitations. Like anything that is illegitimately limiting me in life, I'm free from that. But God will always put some boundaries and guardrails in your life because he loves you. He wants to protect you. It's the same reason that parents will have to say no to their kids sometimes. They love their kids. They want what's best for them. Dad, can I go down in the street and play in the street with a blindfold on? Like, no, no, you can't. Okay, it's not going to happen. Dad, can I date someone who is an LSU fan? No, no, of course not. You know, I want the best for you, not the worst for you. Praise God. God loves you and so he puts some guardrails and some limitations around your life. The problem is is that we are so focused a lot of times on the limitations that we miss the freedom, okay? And so when you go all the way back to how God intended things to be, he always intended for there to be limits, but more importantly, he intended for you to focus on your freedom. If you look all the way back to Genesis chapter two, you know that Adam and Eve are in the garden and God created this whole garden. He had all these things that he had for them to be able to do and all these trees and plants to be able to eat from. And this is what he says. Chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. I'll stop there. You're free. The first thing that God tells him, You are free. You have all this garden you can eat from, there's all this stuff that you can have. It's all yours. You're free. Well, what do they focus on? Verse 17. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat from it, you will certainly die. We are so quick to focus on the restricted parts of our life that we miss, that God has this whole world of freedom for us to live, that is going to build you up, that is life-giving, that's going to cause you to flourish in this life. There's so many parts of your life that is freedom, but when we focus on this one bit of restriction, it makes us all negative and we forget that God has first made us a people who are free. So as we go through this, focus on the freedom. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 16 through 21. So Jesus here is teaching in the synagogue. And he has been given a scroll. And he opens up this scroll. And this is the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And so Jesus begins to read from this scroll, and he's reading a prophecy, actually from Isaiah chapter 61. You can go and read this. And this prophecy is about the Messiah. It's about himself. And so in Luke 4, we get to see Jesus reading a passage of scripture that is about himself. And it says this, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he gets the scroll, he reads this prophecy about himself. He rolls it up, he gives it to the attendant, he sits down. Everyone's looking at him, and he says, That, that's about me. Today, this is fulfilled. And it's fulfilled right here in me. So all of these things that the prophet Isaiah had said about the Messiah, Jesus said, all of that is about me. So we're going to look at a few of those pieces because it's so important to know this is part of the reason that Jesus came. Like this is his mission when he came. It was prophesied long before he walked in there and grabbed the scroll. So take notes if you're writing down. This is number one. He came, Jesus makes the blind to see. He said he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Jesus physically healed blind people. You read in John chapter 9 of Jesus walking down. There's a man who is blind from birth. Jesus spits in the mud. He makes a little mud pie, sticks it on the guy's eyes. The guy goes and he washes it off. And then he goes from not being able to see to being able to see. And so Jesus like physically, actually, literally restored sight to the blind. But I think the thing that is more um, relevant for you and for me is that Jesus came not just to heal someone's physical blindness. Jesus came to heal our spiritual blindness. The Bible says that apart from Christ, that we are spiritually blind. You have this sort of spiritual thing where your eyes are dimmed to see what God is doing and how it's working. When you're outside of Christ, when you're apart from Jesus, it's like I look out but I can't really see what's happening spiritually. I can't see how God is moving and working. When I open up the word of God and it's like I'm reading it, but there's no power there. There's no life there. It's because you're, you, you have a spiritual blindness Okay, I can't see when it says look upon, gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, like without Christ, I can't even see all of these things. But the Bible says that Jesus has come so that we could have sight restored to us so that in Christ we can see things that we never could have seen apart from Christ. I used to work with this guy many years ago. He was colorblind. And so there were certain colors that he could not see. And every morning he said, I got to get up. I take all my clothes into my wife and I say, honey, does this shirt match these pants? Does match this belt match these shoes? And she'll say, yes or no. I said, I do the same thing. It's just though I got bad taste. I mean, I'm not blind, (laughs) but I ask Jessica everything. When Jesus comes into your life, He opens your spiritual eyes so that you can begin to see. So all of the blindness that you had before, maybe you couldn't see all the color of the world spiritually. Jesus opens your eyes and in a moment, he will take you from darkness to light, that he will bring a vision to you that you could have never seen before. The Bible says that he is the light that shines through the darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. In Christ, we have spiritual sight. Jesus came to give it to us. Have you ever been in church or reading the word. It's like I'm reading, I'm reading, and I see something that I've never seen before. I know that I've read this before, but man, this just hits different today. I see something going on here that it's because the Holy Spirit is working on your spiritual eyesight. That's why I'm telling, when you open up the word of God, and this is how we pray before we start our messages. God, Help me to see. Give me eyes to see what it is that you're saying because I want to see everything that you have for me. Jesus restores our sight. The second thing is Jesus breaks down strongholds. The Bible says he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. This is Jesus setting us free from strongholds. Anything that controls my life, any habits, any addiction, any attitude, any bitterness that is controlling me or has dominion over me, anything, remember, that has a stronger grip on me than I have on it. Jesus came that we could be free from all of those things. We do not have to be held captive anymore. And it really starts over and over again, I see this. It really starts with knowing in Christ I am a new creation. I am free and forgiven. And I don't have to carry with me the guilt and the shame of yesterday anymore. And so many believers walk around with this weight of shame and guilt on their shoulders for things that they have done. Is it possible that you have made mistakes in this life? Absolutely, it is likely that you have. Have you done things that you regret? Almost every person in here, if they're being honest, would admit, I have done things that I regret. The difference is when Jesus, Jesus comes into your life. He offers you forgiveness and a clean slate. He has made you into a new creation. He's given you a new identity. And so Christian believer, listen to me. You do not have to carry around the worst thing that you ever did. You do not have to drag it through life with you anymore. Christ came to give us freedom from that guilt. He came to wash and cleanse our hearts and make us new and white as No, if you continue to carry all of the mistakes that you did yesterday and all of the things that you've messed up with over the years, if you drag that along with you in this life, it is going to slow you down and stall you out, wear you out and exhaust you. This is not the life that God has for you. He came to give you freedom from all of those things. Do not walk around under guilt and shame of all of the things that you've done in this life. When you are in Christ, you are a new creation, a new creature. Your past is gone. God has given you a hope and a future. And so I can walk around with a right standing before God, knowing that I'm not good enough. I'm not clean enough. I'm not this, but Jesus is, and he took my place. I can walk around free from that. The all the time, listen, that you think about your life when Satan had his hooks in you, and all the things that you did when you were at your worst, and all those moments that you spent chasing after things that you shouldn't have. When you meet Jesus in one moment, all those things that the enemy had over you, melt away, and he gives you something brand new. He came to bring freedom and to break down strongholds. So when that is the case, and I have these things in my life that are strongholds for me, what do I do? How do I get rid of them? Well, first, I'll just start here because this is where it all starts. You have to give your heart to Christ. You have to let Christ do a total renovation in you and completely give yourself over to him. That is the beginning for believers. Uh, when I'm talking about all the hope that we have and the new beginning and the fresh start and all the things and the breaking the strongholds, this is for people that trust in Jesus with their whole heart and their whole life. They give themselves over to him and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm a mess, but I'm yours. Have and he will help you then after that I could just sum it up by saying everything that God gives you to do go do it with all your heart I mean specific examples when you come in for worship if you got something that you're holding on to that's a stronghold I would encourage you one of the reasons I lift my hands in worship I lift them up and I open my hands and I say Lord I'm not going to come in here with anything in my hands before you. I'm going to open and drop every single bit of it. I just want to worship you and be in your presence today. Like, that's why I'm here, Lord, for you. Bless your name. I'm not going to come into God's presence holding all of these weights. I'm going to open them up and let them go. When we have times of communion, jump in with us. If there's an altar calling, God is working on your heart. And I say, hey, don't let today pass you by. Respond to what God's doing. Like, Take that moment every time and respond to what he's doing in your heart. If you haven't been baptized, there's no excuse and no reason to wait. Sign up to get baptized today. If you've gotten saved, 100% chance your next step is baptism. If you haven't been baptized, I can already fill in the blank for you. Get baptized. Should I be baptized? Absolutely. Open your Bible up every day. Take 5 minutes if you don't do anything, just 5 minutes in God's word every day will change your life. If you have I'll tell you one that is like kind of cliché around here and that's good because it, we say it all the time because we mean it so much you, if you have not found a small group, a life group to be a part of, if you haven't found that community to be a part of, then you are missing a spiritual cylinder. You have to have it. And especially when we're talking about strongholds and breaking free from things. I want to show you something in God's word. Do you remember the story of Lazarus and Jesus, you know, Lazarus, he's dead, he's gone, he's in a tomb somewhere. And Jesus came and he said, Roll away the stone. And then he goes up. Jesus wept. Everybody knows that. Everybody likes that. And then he calls him out. And then he says, Jesus says this Lazarus, what? Come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus gets up and he walks out of the tomb. And then what happens? I'll show you. John 11. Verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Now watch what Jesus says. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus called Lazarus from death to life. Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave. Jesus healed Lazarus and raised him from the dead in a moment. But you know what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't walk over to Lazarus and unwrap the bondage. He told the people around him to do that. He said to Lazarus' community, y'all go help this man get free. Go take off these grave clothes and these strips the same thing is true for you. If you have things that have bound you up, God one of the tools that God has put in your life is godly community. People, fellow believers that he puts around you that when you are bound, he says, "Hey, help them." We got a group right now called Real Change that is all for, if you are struggling with any sort of hurt habit or hang up in your life and you're just like, I've been going through this a long time and I need to be free, then go talk to Nick Burton. Go sign up at the Welcome Center. Go find Marco. He runs the group. They will help you do just this very thing. Let's take off these grave clothes from this person. You can be saved and still be bound. You need people in your life to help you get free. Number three, last one. Jesus lifts us out of oppression. The word says that he set, that he came to set the oppressed free. One translation says downtrodden. Another says brokenhearted. But in the Greek, this word really means like soul, like I was punched right in the soul, like I've been gut punched in my soul. And it's caused me to kind of just, ugh. And and there's a passage where Jesus interacts with a woman who is a perfect example of the downtrodden. Okay, I want to read it to you out of Luke 13. It says this, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman who was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus is healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on one of those days, not on the Sabbath. Can you imagine that? Like this woman been hurt for 18 years. Jesus heals her in the synagogue. You you need to come during regular business hours for that. It's crazy. Verse 15, the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her. And so much in this last passage. First, I think I want to draw your attention is a picture that Jesus is painting. He's saying, you know what? On the Sabbath day, you untie your ox and you take them to water. You got an animal that's bound up and you take them to where they can be nourished. He said, on the Sabbath day, should I not be able to heal this woman who's been bound up and give her life and make her whole again? And Then he said something that I think is really beautiful. He said, then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, this is like, A super high honor term. And and what he's doing here is this woman has been through so much that he's treating her with such honor. He's saying, you're a daughter of Abraham. Like God is proud to call you one of his own. He loves you so much. You daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years. Jesus could have just said, it. he's kept it bound for 18 years. But he specifically says 18 long years. And I think it's beautiful because it means that, that the Lord knows what kind of year you've been having. Like sometimes it's like the year flies by. It's like, I can't believe it. It's already September. It's almost October. This year's flown by. And sometimes it's like when you get to February, you're like, It's only February. Some of y'all have had some long years, and the Lord sees every one of them. He knows, and He cares. For 18 long years, the Bible says that a spirit had crippled this woman. And some commentaries say that she had severe form of arthritis in her back that caused her to be just absolutely in this fixed position where she was hunched over and she couldn't look up. She couldn't look forward. The only thing that she could do was look right here down in the dirt. That for 18 years, 18 long years, this woman was right here. And I know that there are people in this place that because of whatever circumstances, maybe you've been disappointed or hurt, maybe you have anger or you have bitterness in your life, you're in a season where it's like, I can't do anything but look down in the dirt. You know, for 18 years, she couldn't look up. I mean, she... She couldn't look forward, that she had nothing that she could physically even look forward to, that she couldn't turn her eyes to the heavens, that she was stuck just like this. And I know that there are people that for a long time, it's like I have nothing to look forward to. You know, Proverbs 31 says she looks to the future and smiles and you're like, I can't do that. Like, I don't even have hope that it's ever going to get better. And some of you, maybe you're stuck like this. You can't even look up to the Lord. And there are people that come into this place. They're in God's house, but they can't look up because of whatever has them bound up. And you're like, I'm here, but I haven't been able to really look to God for anything in a long time. 18 long years, this woman was like that. And in one moment, Jesus came into her life, touched her, and all the oppression, all the bondage, all the things she'd suffered with for that long time, in a moment, she stood upright. And just like that, she could look forward again, And she could look up. And some of you today, like, I need that touch from Jesus. I need him. He came to give you freedom. He's freedom for the oppressed. I pray that this morning you can know out of Galatians that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And that you, no matter how long it is that you've been dealing with, whatever it is that you're dealing with, you can know in a moment in God's presence, he can change your outlook. He can free you from bondage. He can tear down any stronghold. He can open your eyes so you can see again. He loves you. He cares for you.